When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, into Millennial Sports Talk. Michelle Margot and Ben Verlander with you for NFL Draft Week. What an exciting time in quarantine. Yes, we needed that. We needed that. <laughs> we really did. Uh, how's your week? Uh, good. You know, it started off exciting for me. Uh, I've been waiting for this Jordan uh, Chicago Bulls documentary to come out for a while. So uh, this past Sunday, I was locked in. Uh, Loved it. Watched both episodes, and uh, I am excited for this coming uh, for this coming Sunday's two episodes as well. So the name of that documentary is "The Last Dance." I had put in my notes section on my iPhone, like I have a list of things that I want to watch during quarantine. Yeah. Um. I mean, I always have that list, but I just never get to it. And now I'm getting to them and crossing things off. It feels great. Sometimes I put things on there just so I can cross them off. It just feels good. Anyway, um, so I put the last dance on the notes and I went back to look, like I had finished Game of Thrones, no big deal. And I went, I was like, oh, what am I going to watch next? And I was like, what's the last dance? And I was just, for some reason I had this like romantic comedy in my head. I'm like, what's the last dance? And (laughs) so I Googled it and I was like, oh my gosh, so embarrassing. You didn't want to put next to it in parentheses, like Chicago Bulls or anything like that. You just, huh. Anyway. So you finished, uh, you finished Game of Thrones, you said? I did. Um, I wouldn't say it was like the most climactic ending. Yeah, welcome to the rest of the world's reaction when it happened. Yeah, I, except I didn't have anyone to discuss it with. I just kind of like watched it and I was like, all right, that was the chapter <laughs> in my life where I watched eight straight seasons of Game of Thrones in a five-week span. All in all, fantastic show. But Yes, yeah, yes hands down fantastic like I don't think a lot of things are going to measure up but I I wasn't thrilled anyway this week it is NFL draft week um and of course there was a very interesting virtual draft that we experienced uh and we have a very special guest on um Steve Weissman he is an NFL network and tennis channel host so he'll be coming on in a little bit but first I thought we'd get to our goat moment of the week Sure. And uh, our goat of the week this week, I wanted to choose uh, Cesar Ruiz, who was the center for the uh, University of Michigan Wolverines um, and was drafted on Thursday night. And uh, if you are watching the draft, um, his story may stick out to you. Um, he, as soon as he was drafted, they, they showed his, uh, his room and he was just overcome with emotion. And, uh, you know, as a lot of guys are, it's, a, it's an emotional, it's, it's, a, it's a cool time. But um, he actually highlighted, um, and, and he's decided to play the rest of his career, he said, for, for his father, who, uh, who passed away uh, quite a few years ago on, on the side of the highway, actually. Um, got out of his car, 
to go help somebody change a tire on their car and somebody hit him and killed him. And uh, so ever since then, Cesar has uh, dedicated the rest of his football career to playing for his father and uh, always said he wanted to get drafted for him. And uh, he did. And, uh, you know, I don't want this to be a sad story. It was really, really cool to to see him uh, overcome with emotions and and to finally have that I made it feeling. And uh, I just thought it was really, really cool and uh, kind of a a sad but kind of a a feel-good story. So I, Michelle, am now a huge Cesar Ruiz fan. Yeah, you'd be not human if you weren't now. Yeah, I always got to give the tearjerkers. No, that's that's cool, and I hope that he has a very prosperous, long, and successful career for that. Yeah, I need a a Cesar Ruiz jersey. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll get you one for your birthday next year. (laughs) What are your thoughts on how this all went—the virtual draft? I so, so just fair warning, like I did not expect it to go well. Yeah. So actually, it's funny you say that going into it, like even right before it, I tweeted out, this is going to be insanity. Like I thought there were going to be all these like technical difficulties. And uh, honestly, I thought they killed it Um, with the cards that they were given and that everyone has been dealt and with the amount of people that they know are watching. I thought they did a really, really good job. Did you? Yeah, I mean, they definitely knew what they were doing just from a television standpoint. Um, I watched the NFL draft countdown and it, it looked like a normal studio backdrop. Like yeah. people like, you know, when they have insiders on, it, it just it looked like that. I didn't see anything different. They definitely obviously had microphones, uh, lo- lovelier mics attached to guys' ties yeah. and HD cameras. I mean, there were definitely people not working from home for this. I mean, oh, you yeah. saw like Roger Goodell was being, you know, dressed up or whatever by gentlemen in masks and gloves. Yeah. Um, so they definitely did take some risk in this, um, which I mean, you have to go on living your life. And I understand that. The main, the main difference that I noticed from drafts in prior years was that yeah, you're not getting to shake the commissioner's hand and give him a big bear hug when you rock across the stage and all that stuff, and that sucks. But later picks don't get that anyway. Yeah. Like, and same with like the MLB draft and stuff. Like, I don't like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, but <laughs> it's just it's it's like uh, it's a tradition, you know. And that's the that's the same with any draft. Like the further along you go, for example, with the baseball draft, the first few picks the first rounders are in usually the studio in studio 42 at mlb network and you know they have a whole thing set up for them but as the rounds go you know myself i was drafted in the 14th round and i was listening into the draft on the computer with my family and we were, we were all together um so like to your point there's none of that later rounds but with the first rounders it's sort of a tradition with every sport you know i was um actually last this past year for the nba draft uh, i happened to be there um and I got to see Zion drafted uh, first overall. And, you know, I, I think about it and 50 years from now, when we're looking back, that's going to be a video that, you know, is, is still shown, you know, it, it's a tradition. And uh, I, it does kind of suck that that couldn't happen, but I do get your point. Yeah. Also, I feel bad because, and I don't want this to come across politically incorrect at all, but there's a lot of people all over America um, that don't have fancy homes. And I think it's not fair to those who don't feel comfortable having a camera in their home, you know, on, on draft night. Like, they, they don't have a choice this year. 
Yeah. And I, I didn't see anything like that. But I, I do wonder if there are kids from homes that don't really have. Does that mean? Does yeah. that make sense? Like, no, I, I get. What, I definitely get what you're saying. And and you know, looking thinking back about it now, there were definitely some. You know, I saw some certain cameras that were like super zoomed in. So maybe if you aren't comfortable letting people in your house, you can just kind of have a, a camera right on the player himself. Right. Um, so maybe there are ways around it. But I didn't. I didn't think about. That is a good point. You know, you kind of didn't have an option. Maybe you don't want cameras allowed in your house um, or the, the whole Or if world. you're just ashamed, like it's just, it, it, it takes people off an even playing field. Not, not even a shame necessarily. It's just maybe like people are, people are very judgmental and yes, like every, yes, everyone, everyone, like from the first draft pick, Joe Burrow drafted first overall, the cameras are in, are in his house. The first thing I texted in my group chat to my friends were, Oh my God! The curtains in their house are atrocious. <laughs> like, that says more about you than anything. Then, <laughs> like, don't ever judge my curtains. All right? Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> I am personally quite judgy myself, and I say that because the next thing I'm going to say is going to sound so snobby. Oh boy! But I was not that impressed with Roger Goodell's basement. Like, you're the yeah. NFL commissioner. Yeah, actually, I agree. I agree with you there. <laughs> Like, have some cooler stuff. Have, Anything. You know, like, I think it, Bronxville, New York is where he lives. And, like, it's hard to get land and it's hard to get space in the Northeast. I understand that. But, yeah. like, I just was – I was like, wait, that's Roger Goodell's basement? Listen, well, his basement is, like, bigger than my apartment, okay? So I really can't talk. <laughs> but still, it just was not that impressive. M&Ms looked impressive. Yeah. Speaking of Goodell – the uh, I'm not sure if you noticed the outfit change that took place yeah. in the midst of the Why? first round. Just like out of nowhere, came back for one pick and was talking to my roommates and said, did he just change? Why did, Could it have why, been a sweat issue? Why did he just change outfits? I don't know, but like... Or was I it mean, planned? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there could have been some sort of issue, but <clears throat> like, I mean, come on. Sounds like I've had to do that a couple times. It was just a little strange, I thought. Another thing that I noticed, too, was so they spent 10 minutes after the pick was in. Yeah. Showing Joe Burrow all like his his path, his journey, whatever. And I'm like, okay, obviously he's going to go first overall, which Mel Kuyper had him second best available, I think. Mel Kuyper did? I think. Oh, he had had Chase Young. Yeah, second. so I was like, okay, I mean, it's pretty obvious that Joe Burrow is going to get drafted first, and and they obviously knew that. And then before they announced that the pick was in, Joe Burrow was holding his Cincinnati Bengals hat. Yeah, well, actually, like, before, it totally took the excitement out of it. Well, before the draft even started, Adam Schefter came on and basically said, as of Wednesday, uh, the Bengals sent Joe Burrow and his family all Burrow number nine jerseys and the hat to wear. So Schefter came on right before the draft and basically um, broke the news that he already knew. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it wasn't really but wait, up. act excited, Joe. Yeah. Come on, Joseph. Step it up. <laughs> Speaking of acting excited, did you yeah. see Tua? Tua's family, I thought they looked like, like they just lost like, their, their family pet. Like, like no, nobody. I don't know, looked- but those lays, though. Nobody looked happy in that room. I, I kept waiting for like some sort of reaction and just never came. Uh, this will be the last thing I say about this, but I think 
that Tua came to play with his outfit. He dressed up. Yeah. Compared to some guys. Who do you think dressed up more, Tua or Henry Ruggs? Who, who was in it? It depends. Rug? Are we talking quarantine dress up or are we talking? If we're talking dress? quarantine outfit, Henry, Henry Ruggs. I know. Killed. He wore a robe for those of you who didn't see. He wore a, a bathrobe. That was a legit bathrobe. That was not like a, a fake bathroom. bathroom. That was yeah, the kind that when you go to like a nice hotel and it's in the closet hanging up and you're like this is way nicer than anything i own so i'm gonna wear it and act like i deserve to be in this room <laughs> i'm gonna pretend like i got yeah. room service even though it's just my leftovers yes yeah legitimately is wearing. i was i'm a fan whatever anyway well millennial sports talk is brought to you by a couple different sponsors our first one is bet online yes first uh sponsor we have betonline.ag and while we're all waiting this out at home uh there's still fun to be had betting you can go online to betonline.ag. There's no NBA, no NHL, no MLB. Um, so you might think there's nothing really to bet on. Um, Just but rub still, it in our faces, Ben. I, I know, right? But There are there. no live sports, everybody. <laughs> Look, I'm not taking this very well. But there are still things to bet on like eSports, uh, American Idol, Big Brother, The Election, The Spelling Bee. Um, so there's still plenty. There's still fun to be had. So go online to betonline.ag and use promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus. That's MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus. And here's another quick word from another sponsor. It's 2021. There are self-driving cars, plant burgers, and tourists in space. The least your phone could do is download entertainment in a flash. For that, you should get AT&T 5G. AT&T 5G is fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Want to make sure your phone service keeps up with what you need from it? Get AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See AT&T.com slash 5G for you for details. All right. Well, without further ado, let's welcome in Steve Weissman. You've seen him all over ESPN, the Olympics. Now he's a host for NFL Network and the Tennis Channel. Hey, Steve. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Steve has been hosting uh, Tennis Channel Live the past five weeks during this COVID situation, doing three-hour live shows Monday through Friday, and, of course, doing some NFL draft coverage. Um, but, Steve, I have to say that the stuff I notice the most is your workouts on Instagram. You get after it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to, right? I mean, I think especially in this time where – you can't do a lot of things and some stuff is out of our control. Like you got to control the controllables. And one of those things is, you know, staying active and working out and kind of getting those endorphins going. And so, uh, you know, thankfully enough, like I'm in California where the weather has been gorgeous. And so, um, you know, I've been able to, to, to get in some cardio circuits, some ab circuits, do some sprinting. And, you know, I, I miss my, my Soho yoga, Mm. um the gym and and you know playing a lot of tennis but uh you know got to be able to get out there and and stay active you have so. to to keep you sane you guys You'll, are both making me feel like crap right now because i have not stepped foot outside other than one time in the past week oh, wait no <laughs> twice actually i did get outside twice <laughs> you, got, you got to do it i mean i I miss the weights like i don't have a, a gym set up at home but you know i got like one of those stretch bands i've been using that and i feel like i've done more push-ups in the last you know <laughs> two months than i've ever done so you know you gotta do what you can do with what yep. you have that's awesome 
Um, so one of the reasons we're having you on today, we, we, we talked about it um, a little earlier before you joined about just this NFL virtual draft and how we thought it went. Um, we wanted someone who knew both the television aspect of, of the virtual draft and the NFL, the X's and O's of all that. And you're pretty much the perfect person for that. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on how the draft went? I thought it went great. I, I, uh, I didn't know exactly, you know, what to expect, but, um, I thought everybody handled it really well. I thought Roger Goodell was awesome. He looked so happy and relaxed (laughs) and, you know, being able to interact with the fans through the monitor, um, you know, sitting on his chair and just (laughs) everything about him was fantastic. It really added, I think, to, to the overall broadcast. And to be honest, like, Getting to see everyone's house and family was more intimate behind the scenes access than we've ever had before. So I don't know how they're going to do it moving forward, but I like this better. (laughs) Um, You know, there there weren't a ton of technical glitches. And you mentioned I've been doing these three hour live shows Monday through Friday on Tennis Channel. And so we didn't know what to expect heading into this. I mean, we started these shows in March um, because the tennis season was canceled right before the BNP Paribas Open at Indian Wells. And, you know, the leadership of Tennis Channel has been awesome, kind of, you know, keeping us on air and and getting content for us to put on for three hours. And so I'm hosting kind of like Trey Wingo in studio, and I'm mm-hmm. the only one there. There's no nobody else there. And we have a skeleton staff. Um, ton of credit to all the folks behind the scenes because, you know, I've got two producers, I've got one director, you know, one stage manager, one camera person. So it's, you know, it's very sparse and we're, we're producing more content with less people really than we ever have. So uh, it's a big undertaking. And so there's so much credit to the, to the folks behind the scenes. Um, And then I'm there kind of on an Island and I've got, you know, Lindsay Davenport and Paul Anacone and Tracy Austin and Chanda Rubin and Andy Roddick and all these folks on Skype. Right. So if somebody goes out and inevitably somebody's Wi-Fi somewhere yeah. is not going to be great or, you know, somebody's yeah. going to free. And I had multiple interviews where people froze and, you know, you just have to read and react basically. And you're like, all right, like hopefully we get them back, yada, yada. <laughs> um, just go to somebody else. And I remember like we had Nicholas Carrera and Shanda and Jim Courier on one time and, and two of them went out. And so like, obviously they, you know, I'm the one, kind of constant where they know yeah. they can always put me on camera and, and, and then Jim's like, well, I'm still here. And so, you know, you have those <laughs> moments um, where it's just kind of wild, but you know, that that's, that's live TV. And, uh, so much I, and I thought they, they, they handled the draft really well. And also I learned early on and, you know, there was that moment where Trey just said a statement and he's got seven people that are Skyping in. And if you right. don't specifically say a name, nobody's going to go or, or they're all going to go. <laughs> so I remember, you know, the first week of live shows we did, I learned quickly, like, I have to say, you know, Chanda or Tracy or Lindsay or, yeah, Paul, that's you, know, a good point. You, you have to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah they don't have their own otherwise IFPs. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I, but, so I was just going to say, so I, Michelle and I were, were talking about it uh, a little bit before and I, even before the draft started, I didn't know how it was going to go and was a little worried that, you know, there'd be a lot of technical difficulties. And, and you know, there really wasn't. Um, I, thought, I thought they killed it, honestly. And, and you, you spoke to the fact that if you don't say somebody's name, you can have multiple people talking at one time. And I remember that happening one time. I was like, oh, there's like three people trying to talk right now. Um, but honestly, there wasn't much of that. And all in all, I, I saw recently that there was uh, 
15.6 million viewers and it just smashed yeah. the, the pre like it was awesome man i really think they did an incredible job and the other thing too they is did. even, even yep. when there's live draft coverage you know from vegas or wherever the city is there's technical difficulties there too you know like yeah. it's, it's not i guess immune to to that happening even when it's when everyone's together, um, I would say the biggest flub was that Bill Belichick just turned into a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I thought that was great. Like, I absolutely I love that. Awesome. That's so Belichick. That is so <laughs> Belichick. It, it's crazy. <laughs> and, like, so um, Field Yates, you know, the ESPN reporter, is a buddy of mine. And so I've been in Nantucket with him uh, a couple summers. And he lives, like, right next door to, to Belichick. And so – I, I was like, I know that house and I know that room. And like um, the fact that like that was the setup and he had his dog there, which, you know, like Bill doesn't care. Like he's like, ah, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then he gives him a treat. I, I mean, like I thought that part of it was cool. Like, like seeing Belichick in his element, which by the way, like coach Belichick is a really funny guy. He's a very nice guy. Like he's everything that you really don't see in his press conferences, which is yeah. the case with a, a lot of these folks. But, um, and then seeing, you know, Cliff Kingsbury in his like house that looks, it was like, it was modeled after Ryan Gosling's and crazy stupid love. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like he, he was like his house. I'm like, all right, like, can I hang out with you? Like, <laughs> and then you see Sean McVay's spot and like, it was neat to see. And then you got Andy Reed, who's like in his Hawaiian shirt in the basement somewhere. Um, so, so I love that because you normally don't get that, that access. The That's only true. thing I thought personally I would have liked to had more of were the interviews. So if you're, if you have a camera set up in the draft picks house, uh, you know, like Susie Culver interviewed Joe Burrows, but like, why not every pick? Yeah, like that's, that, what, that's the only thing. I was to actually me. confused. I, you know, I was waiting for the bro one, and then it wasn't happening. And then, and then we finally got the interview. And I was like, all right, well, that's what they're gonna do with the first round guys. You know, they'll interview everybody, and they didn't. I, I was kind of shocked by that, actually. Maybe they were just yeah, worried about microphone stuff, like just knowing that if there's no audio guy on hand or what. I don't know. Maybe there was. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you just roll with it, and like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But like that, right. you know, everything else, I think, exceeded expectations. I just wanted to hear more from the, you know, from the draftees, like, all right, you know, yeah. whether it's generic or not, like sometimes you get a really special moment um, with those folks. And so that, you know, if they were to do this in the future, I think that would, that would be my only thing that I'd like more of. Yeah. So aside from Cliff Kingsbury, Steve, uh, who do you think had the best and worst war room? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, his setup and Sean McVay's were the best, um, but they're like the two young, cool, want to hang out with coaches right like yeah. they're just like one's in hollywood and the other one's in arizona and they've got these million dollar pads and they're just you know balling um and then i i loved um the the when the kids were involved you know like matt patricia had his son there the whole time i think if you can get animals and kids involved in your live shots like it's a win like a lot a lot of my <laughs> analysts on tc live would like bring their pets in and i'm like Lindsay, who's that? And it's like, or like, Prakash, who's that? And it's like, they're, they're dogs. And I think that, you know, that's fun. And it adds to it. <laughs> and then they would also sometimes bring their kids in. And like, who doesn't like a cute kid? Yeah. And, you the, know, related, the, the relatability, likability factor. You're like, yeah. I don't care how your draft went, but the fact is I can relate to you and your family and your kids screaming. So this is great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, you're a nice human as well. So <laughs> what, uh, what was the deal with Joe Judge's 
situation. It was like <laughs> just locked up in an attic. <laughs> I think, you know, everybody doesn't have like a, a nice office space perhaps, or maybe they don't want, like I could see somebody being like, I don't want you to see my house. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, totally. True. We talked about that so earlier. So just keeping that like privacy aspect. Like Belichick is like, this is like my little breakfast nook. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'll be, able, you'll be able to see my kitchen table and that's all. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Which was uh, probably put, like, he probably went on Amazon, like bought a table, like just for this. Yeah, no, like, this is not my, my real table. Son going to the bathroom and... So yes. (laughs) Now that Steve, now that we have the first few rounds done and in the books, who would you say jumps out in your mind as to so far having the best draft? You think personally, I'm a Cowboys fan. Yeah, what team? I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm pretty satisfied with our draft, Um, but I'm biased. So I want to get your opinion on who you think which team has had the best draft so far. You know, um, I think I think the Bengals did a good job, um, you know, getting Joe Burrow, picking up uh, T. Higgins, the wide receiver. I mean, you look yep. at their offense right now. You got Burrow, a quarterback, who, by the way, I just read today, has been studying the playbook for weeks. I so, saw you know, that. That's guy's awesome. Like, yeah, like he's locked in. He is ready to go. He is all about being a Cincinnati Bengal who, you know, haven't won a playoff game in decades. Um, you got Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard at running back, and then you're teaming up T. Higgins with A.J. Green, plus you got Drew Sample and, and Tyler Boyd. I mean, that offense looks pretty good. Um, I think the Broncos set up Drew Locke really well, uh, yep. adding, you know, Jerry Judy. Um, you got Noah Fant, K.J. Hamler now, uh, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. So, so they, I think, did a good job. Um, I'm a Redskins fan, so <laughs> I, I love getting Chase Young. Because, <laughs> um, you know, they thought about p- picking up Tua or, or a quarterback because, you know, Ron Rivera is the new coach there. And who knows whether they are all in on Dwayne Haskins or not. I say you got to give Haskins some more time. So I'm glad that they went with another defensive stud. So now they got four first rounders on the defense on the line. And I'm a big believer in building your, your line, you build the trenches. Like that's where you win football games, whether it's the defensive line or the offensive line, both really. Um, so defense wins championships, right? So now you've got this thick defensive line that whatever the, your offense does is kind of a bonus. Like put some points on the board. We are going to stop everyone else um, and kind of go there. I mean, I was, I was surprised by what the Eagles and Packers did, much like everybody else, getting those quarterbacks. Um, you know, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, yeah, it's a what's going on here? You know? <laughs> Um, give me with, give me some help. <laughs> with that said, who which team do you think had the worst draft? That sounds harsh, but you know. Draft. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Like you're not going to know for for 3 years really, like who had the because when it comes to the draft, you're just trying to add, like you're not taking away, but right. like why did they take a why did Green Bay take a quarterback and a running back with their first two picks when their best offensive players are at those positions? I was right? just gonna, like, I was just going to ask you about the Packers. One, why why did they trade up to get him when they traded up in front of the Ravens who don't need a quarterback, the Titans who don't need a quarterback? Like I, I'm confused as to what they were doing. You know, like if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm I'm not happy. You know. Yeah, I, I, Aaron Rodgers, by the way, who still, in my opinion, is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL and has I don't know. 
three, two to three more years at that level, maybe more, who knows, but like win now. I mean, this is not a league like coaches don't get the leeway to lose for three seasons, right? right. Like they're gone. And like, you're bringing somebody else in. Same thing. No, with ma- no matter your situation. Days. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. No matter the situation, really, like you can say you're bringing in a guy for a rebuild, but if he still two seasons, you know, they're making a change, you know, it's not an age where you get much leeway at all. And when they, when they drafted Aaron Rodgers back in the day, Brett Favre was definitely contemplating retirement. Like he had put that out there. Um, Aaron Rodgers hasn't said anything about that. So I get, you know, Jordan Love is, has a lot of talent and, and you want to be able to win now as well as prepare for the future. And, and it is kind of that same situation age-wise with Favre and Rodgers and now Rodgers with Love. But I, I say, you know, you got to give Rodgers more opportunities to win yeah. now, get him some of those targets at wide receiver. The running back made even less sense. I mean, you have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Yeah, Why are you true. taking A.J. Dillon? You know, um, that, that was <laughs> befuddling to me. Um, in terms of the Eagles, Great word. I could see it maybe a little more with Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Just because, like, one, Carson Wentz has been injury-prone a little bit. So, you know, you want somebody in there that can step in. The backup quarterback is an underrated uh, spot on the roster. And the success that Taysom Hill had uh, in New Orleans, you know, like, and maybe Jalen can be sort of that guy. Um, But we're not going to know for for a couple of years kind of how these things pan out. So, you know, you get your guys at the top that you think are the surefire. Like, will Joe Burrow um, be that guy? I, I don't know, right? Um, yeah. but, but you do the best you can. The one thing that stood out to me, everybody was like, oh, like this draft is going to go so much differently because we didn't have all the access to, you know, bringing players in and doing all this scouting. And it pretty much went according to form with all these mock drafts. Like, yeah. there weren't a ton of surprises. And in my opinion, like you're scouting based on what they did in college. So you've got a ton of film other than having an in-person interview, which I don't know how much that counts or not. You know, like if somebody can actually sway you to not draft them or pick them higher just based on an in-person interview um, in the NFL. I mean, in my opinion, it's like, what can you do on the field? Not as much. Yeah. We've seen so many people with that's issues off the field. Hu- yeah, that's a huge problem, though, in, in- – why there's so many issues with guys in the NFL. And that's a whole nother topic. (laughs) I think character is huge. And I think that MLB does a decent job actually with that, in my opinion, of, of the questionnaires and the in-person interviews and stuff. You know, when my, uh, it's funny you say that, Michelle, when my brother was. the tiger screwed up with you, Ben, but I don't know. (laughs) When my, when my, when my brother was in high school and was potentially going to be a draft pick out of high school, the New York Mets actually came to Goochland, Virginia, and didn't come to our house to talk to my parents and talk to Justin. They went to our next door neighbor's house and went up to them and asked them if Justin was a partier and if he had tons of people over late night and if he always was drinking around the house and, and stuff like that. Crazy. That is, that, see, that's like, I don't know. I love, I love stuff like that. You like, I'm also reading a book by Malcolm Gladwell right now called Talking to Strangers. And it's just about how like you can't assume about people just based on how they are face to face. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. And um, the, uh, another potential can of worms that I want to open with you, Steve, is um, I, well, 
this again, this could be a whole nother topic, but what are your thoughts on, on draftees making so much money before proving themselves? Uh, I'm fine with it. I mean, because they have proved themselves in what, 18 to 19 to 20 or whatever, 21 years of life. So um, there's a reason they're in this position. Like they have worked their butts off. They have trained, they have put in those hard yards and they, they have earned this um, opportunity. And, and that's what, that's what our society is set up to do, right? So just because of the fact that they haven't done it at that level, I mean, you know, when you get a job in television, right, and it's like you're moving up in the, in the TV landscape and hopefully making more money or whatever it may be, you're, you're getting that contract based on what you've done, not what you're going to do. Well, they, they think what you're going to do, but they don't know yet. So right. no, that's well said. they absolutely have, have earned that. And right. um, I, yeah. I don't ever like, when somebody gets a big payday, I am happy for them. I, and, and that's in all walks of life. I'm never like, oh, like, why couldn't I do that? Or, like, you know, it's like, no, that helps us all. Like, if you're getting paid more, like, that means I have the potential to get paid more. Right. So, um, so I, I, I think they've earned it. You know, I, you're not seeing lazy, untalented people getting paid, right? Right, right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I kind of think of it, as, look at the, you know, most of the first round picks have all come from, big colleges and have been very successful there and you know look at let's use Joe Burrow as an example he played at LSU and at Ohio State two programs that make so much money because of how successful they are and he's a reason that LSU won the national championship and is going to make all this money and he he wasn't able to capitalize on any of that think of how much money he has brought to that you know program and how much you know stardom he brought to that program and wasn't able to cash in a single dollar on it this is where he's finally able to look back and say i did all of that in college i won a national championship this is why i'm drafted first overall and this is why i'm getting the money that um, maybe i haven't yet proven myself in the nfl but i have proven that that you know what i've done to this point in my life is worth this oh i i agree absolutely um i guess the way the way that i was thinking about it was I don't know how well you keep up with MLB, but like when Mark Appel got drafted and made, I think it was, I don't know, maybe $7 million, Ben, you might know better than I do. And then he didn't ever, he like did not pan out at all. And he definitely had the potential to, it was just kind of like he got paid and you know, that was that. But you're always going to have situations like that. I think, you know, Um, I mean, there, there are people that succeed and people that don't. Um, but I think, and this is a question for the two of you who are like so deep into the baseball world, but, um, the fact that they have to wait to get that big payday, like, yeah, he may have gotten $7 million signing bonus just to sign. And, but that that's it. Like if he doesn't prove himself, like, yes, you could like $7 million, you're set up for life if you take care of it the right way. Um, but you don't get those trout deals, you know, and and stuff like that until years later where, There are other sports, in my opinion, where you're getting paid a lot more at the start. Um, and I, I think, I don't know, Ben, what you think about like the fact that you have to wait to get those $100 million deals in baseball. Yeah, you know, and that kind of goes back to the point that you were making earlier, is you can, you can put in the work your whole life, through 18, 19, 20 years of life, and get a, and get a good signing bonus out of college or out of high school um, in baseball. But until you prove yourself on the field, you're not going to make that super life-changing money. And I'm not saying $7 million isn't life-changing money, but that's kind of an outlier first overall pick sort of thing. Um, But 
in, in terms of what you're talking about, you have to put in the work to then make, you know, seven years down the line, uh, then be right. able to make hundreds of millions of dollars, you know? I would also say this, because baseball, generally speaking, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're not going straight to the majors. Like, you're spending time on multiple levels of, you know, minor league ball before you hit the show. I mean, there, there are definitely people that come up right away, but that, that's more of a rarity, whereas in there's the NFL... No, nobody nobody you, anymore. There's, there's nobody that comes right. up right so, so you, in the NFL, though, you are getting drafted to play. Like, you better yeah. start week one. If we're spending a first-round pick on you, like, that's value. That's Whereas baseball point. is more of we're planning for the future. Um, NBA, like, you, are, you better be our, an all-star this year, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so it's a little different in that respect as well where, you know, there, there's not that time to kind of get groomed um, like Major League Baseball. But – you know, and I can like draw from tennis where it is like a complete meritocracy where, you know, your, your success is based on how you do, you know, like nobody is paying you unless you win. <laughs> and that, that's just... been a big issue. Sorry, that? I was just Googling what you, the word yeah. you just used. <laughs> you're just, you're, he's just dropping the dictionary on us in Millennial Sports Talk this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm an elder millennial. Steve's um, like, no, you guys are just idiots. <laughs> no, I mean, meritocracy yeah, I mean, is quite the word. That, that one, yeah, we're like, not what? idiots. <laughs> uh, but no, it's basically what it, what it means is that you, your success is based on how you perform year to year. So you yeah. could be number one in the world, but those, that ranking goes away unless you win those tournaments the next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. You know, those, those points drop off. So you know, you have to continue to win. And, and it's been a big Golf. issue right now with COVID-19, the fact that a lot of these players, you know, other than the one thing in tennis is like, so you get, you know, your Federer's, your Nadal's, your Djokovic's that are, have made $100 million, right? And o- over that, they've made, you know, tens of millions more in endorsements. Right. But then you get to like the 50th ranked player in the world and they st- they're not making any of that. So... Um, there's a big drop off and there's been talks about how do we help financially, you know, players rank 150 to 500 or so on and so forth on both tours, because there's such a disparity between the superstars at the top and everybody else. Those everybody else's are making money based on winning. And if you can't play tournaments, you can't win. And therefore nothing is coming in. Um, so, it, I mean, it's not, it's not a contract like you have in the NFL in the yeah. NBA, MLB, stuff like that. I think you make really, really great points, Steve. The other thing in, in the NFL that I'm empathetic to is the fact that these players don't have guaranteed contracts. So whatever they're getting off the top, that is all that's guaranteed. They could get injured tomorrow, and that team can cut them and literally not care about them anymore. Um, you know, in the NBA, they're getting paid whether they ride the bench or play. In baseball, they're getting paid whether they never, you know, step another foot on the field. Yeah, in the NFL, it is, it is not, in my opinion, fair, right? They are only getting what's guaranteed on that contract. So I, I say get the most that you can because you never know. Whereas, literally, we've seen these balloon payments in the NBA where some dude is, is, hasn't played in two years and he's getting $20 million that year. And yeah. it's just guaranteed and it's coming in, you know? Yeah. Um, well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. Um, but that is it for Millennial Sports Talk this week. Be sure to download and subscribe on your usual 
podcast distributor, and we will see you next week. Yeah, Steve, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.